You're listening to A Little Bit of Largum, a podcast exploring how to find a more balanced, sustainable and mindful approach to living, to support your well-being, the well-being of others and of the planet too. My name is Marla and this is the final episode in the four-part All Things Vegan series that I decided to do to coincide with Veganuary. And I hope that it's offered a little bit of support to those of you trying Veganuary and also raise some awareness around veganism and why it's so important. I'm really excited to share this episode with you as I had the absolute pleasure of talking with Momoko Hill, who is someone that I have admired and been deeply inspired by for a long while now. It felt so special to have the opportunity to chat with her. She really is such a wonderful human being. In this conversation, we covered so many topics from Momoko's vegan story and how veganism is ultimately about compassion and this must be extended to all human and non-human animals. We discussed the damaging connotations surrounding the vegan movement, the importance of stripping away deep-rooted white supremacist ideologies and the crucial practice of a good apology and owning up to our mistakes. Momoko shares aspects of her spiritual journey, her favourite vegan foods and an insight into the awesome work that she's doing. This includes being a co-host on the Chick Peeps podcast, which is absolutely wonderful and I definitely recommend you give it a listen if you haven't already. And also she works for Wicked Foods, which is an incredible vegan food company that make awesome food and also share so many really interesting recipes that you can find online and I definitely recommend you take a look at them and give some of them a try. We also talk about the wonderful values behind her lovely supportive Facebook group Glow Vegan and this is such a wonderful space both for vegans and for anyone interested in veganism. It really is such a lovely space, so even if you're just a little bit curious about veganism, I definitely recommend giving it a join. I cannot thank Momoko enough for this conversation. It was so lovely chatting with her, and I really hope that you enjoy listening to this as much as I loved having this conversation. Hi! Hi, how are you? I'm good, thank you. How are you doing? Yeah, I'm very well, thank you. It's really lovely to meet you. I've been like super inspired by you and your work for a oh. while, so it feels very special. Oh, it was lovely to meet you too. Well, thank you so, so much for agreeing to come on the podcast and chat with me. I'm super oh gosh, grateful. <laughs> thank you so much for asking me. It's an absolute honour to be here with you. Thank you. So I thought it would be lovely to just start if you'd be happy to give a bit of a summary about who you are and the work that you do and where you're based at the moment would be fab. Yeah, sure. So my name is Momoko, which is a Japanese name. I'm half Japanese. I'm also a bit Greek and a bit English. So Eurasian is what we're called. Um, I am based in Cornwall, which is down in the southwest of England. It's a coastal, beautiful county, full of nature. I actually grew up here and I moved back here during the pandemic from London, very different atmosphere in October. I absolutely love being here. And I love the fresh air, such a relief. And the work I do is a mixture of digital freelancing um, kind of work for different brands, always aligned to my values, whether that's veganism, animal rights, or environmentalism, um, or social justice, things along those kind of lines. And I'm also a podcaster on the vegan and animal rights podcast, The Chick Peeps. 
Maybe. Okay, that gives you enough of a summary. <laughs> yeah, no, that's perfect. And yeah, I think it's so valuable what you say there about working with companies who align with your values. I think it can be so tricky sometimes to navigate that space and I think you do it wonderfully so thank you I know what it's like to be on the other side of that because when I was in my early 20s I worked in the music industry that was my goal to work in music to be an artist manager and that industry does not align with my values I used to find myself looking at um, pictures of the sea because it was all based in London pictures of beach cleans and pictures of sharks and all ocean life. And I'd be like, oh, what am I doing in this office? Going to these silly studios and TV things and parties. I was like, this is not me anymore. So I know what it's like to be on the other side, which is why I feel so appreciative to now do what actually feels right to my soul and not just my ego. That's amazing. I think that's definitely where I'm at at my stage in my life at the moment mm. is navigating that space. I trained as a dancer and I mean, I feel like it opened my eyes up to a lot of things and allowed me to question a lot through the training I had because it was contemporary yeah. dance. So yeah. yeah, I'm now at the point where it's like, I want to be spending more of my time and more of my energy on things that feel like just so much more important and connected to my values. And yeah. yeah. You probably always feel that something was slightly missing if you didn't tap into that by the sounds of it. Yeah, definitely. So it would be great. I mean, I'm sure you've told this story many, many times before, but how you came to being vegan in the first place. Oh, yeah, of course. It's no problem. I don't feel like I tell this story very much, to be honest. So I'm always happy to share it. I was very lucky to be brought up vegetarian, sometimes being force fed fish by teachers and having a little blip where I tried because um, everyone kept saying to me during university oh you don't know that you don't like chicken just try it and I went okay to shut you up I'll just try one bit and I was like, I feel like I'm chewing this forever there's no flavor give me back my vegetables I've tried it now I don't need anything else basically it was my one little blip and um, going vegan I always forget when this was but I it was on a plane to Las Vegas and I was already pretty much vegan I knew the eggs didn't make me feel good I felt all gross afterwards I knew dairy I woke up feeling like I had a hangover my skin was always flaring up I had asthma I knew that whenever I stopped having a bit of cheese or a bit of milk I felt so much better but I'd still have biscuits that had milk in the ingredients or chocolate with milk in um so I wasn't that strict but my friend was doing a vegan challenge and I noticed that she hadn't eaten the butter um with her bread roll on the plane you know how it comes in that little packet and I was just about to spread mine on my bread because I love bread and butter and I was like, why aren't you eating that? She went, oh, well, I don't know where that butter came from. Like, were the cows happy? How are they treated? I don't know. So I don't want to eat it. And all of a sudden, I had this weird vision of going, do, 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 zooming into all these different cows that that butter might have come from. And how were they treated? What were their babies treated like? What happened? And I just suddenly felt sick. And I was like, I can't do this anymore. I feel like I had my moment where it went from my head going, oh, health, veganism. Yeah, it makes sense. So then going, oh, my gosh, I thought... I, I had pride in being a vegetarian, thinking I wasn't harming animals and almost having almost a superior kind of feeling about it, looking at a field of lambs going, I don't hurt them. You all do, I don't. So I was mostly the only vegetarian in my life, apart from my family, during school and every other friendship group I was in. So I always had this sense of being different. But then I thought, I've actually just been contributing to this in a way I didn't even realize. I'd never thought of it. There wasn't much media around uh, veganism there weren't that many vegan options so it wasn't like now I think a lot of people are aware what happens to dairy cows but back then like, I honestly could tell you I didn't have a clue it was shocking to have that revelation 
Yeah, it is so shocking because I didn't have any idea about that either. I grew up in a very rural town in mid Wales and Mm. I think you have this strange misconception of what farming is coming from that background and thinking that all the animals are cared for. And then when you realize the realities of what's happening in the meat and dairy industry and it's just, it really hits you, I think. It does completely. I think it's life changing when you have that moment, even if people lapse back and forth from veganism because of habits or health or whatever it might be, you still can't unlearn that. It's with you for life. So it's up to you what you do if you're going to align your values and your actions, isn't it? Yeah, for sure. I think something that really stuck with me, and it was the same for my sister actually, is there was like a line in a book by Kip Anderson who co created Caspiracy, and it was something to do with that aligning your actions with your values and once you learn that information how can you not change your actions if you want to align them with your values it's something along those lines and it really resonated with us yeah Mm, for sure well I wanted to ask as well because I think there is a big argument around within veganism obviously the animal aspect to it is so important and I think it's something that really It's a very visceral connection and feeling to understanding the suffering of animals. But I think sometimes there's this idea that it means if you care so much about the animals, what about caring about other things? And yeah, I was just wondering what your perspectives are around that and how being vegan isn't just purely about the animals. Yeah, this is such a good question and such a topical relevant question as well for these times, because now all of these social justice issues are coming to the forefront. There's no hiding from them anymore. And we're seeing how they interject with veganism and how actually quite toxic veganism has been, like the messaging, the white supremacy around veganism. There's been so many things comparing animal slaughter to things like the Holocaust and just stuff that's just triggering for people. It encourages oppression towards different marginalized groups. And actually when, when everything kicked off with the Black Lives Matter movement last year, and we started to learn more about the race issues around veganism, I started to step away from veganism in the sense I didn't want to talk about it as much because I didn't feel like I had enough information. And I felt like even though I'm not completely white, I was ingrained with white supremacy and I couldn't, effectively be a vegan while also standing up for human animals and non-human animals at the same time so it took me a while obviously I was still vegan in every other way I just didn't want to say too much about veganism because it's just shrouded in so much stigma especially last year mid last year and I think by going vegan you you are also thinking about the livelihoods of people and I know I used to say, I don't like people, I only like animals, that's why I'm vegan. Like, I was one of those really problematic people. But that's not to say I wanted people to be oppressed. I was more thinking of like vegan trolls who had just had something negative to say all the time. But if you think about the workers in slaughterhouses, the, the depression rates that they have, suicide rates, all these horrible effects that they have from that job, which is often marginalized people, the fact that all of these slaughterhouses around indigenous communities which are low-income communities a lot of the time they're suffering the effects of I don't know exactly what the the terms are but sometimes they can't open their windows because the acid spray these can they're breathing that in and if you think about the amount of food that's fed to animals that could be fed to humans when there's so many people living in poverty I do think they're connected and by helping animals you are helping people as well but it's more the things that need to be stripped are these unhelpful ways of talking about veganism that are not inclusive to 
you're thinking of indigenous communities who don't even have access to much vegan food. Some people, their salad can be $20. And if you're on a low income, you're not going to prioritize that, are you? If you can hunt for your own fish and meat on your doorstep and have respect for it in that way, it's, yeah, it's, it's a very complex issue. And I would recommend um, anybody who wants to learn more, um, iye.loves.life. She talks a lot about anti-oppression veganism and she's so well-versed on it all. Um, so I recommend everyone checks her out what she's been talking about yeah she's awesome yeah I think I was reading a post by her this morning on her Instagram yeah and she shares such important messages around that and how sort of the idea of veganism has been so whitewashed and it's so difficult to to make sure you're not falling into that sort of category of assuming that oh well everyone can go vegan everyone should go vegan or even just not recognizing that a lot of indigenous communities naturally were vegan before it became this sort of white supremacist movement totally Um, other people just getting cast to the side because they're not as influential if they're not white it's just i think what we're seeing through it now and thinking that makes no sense so let's just shed that from this movement which is about compassion let's not forget (laughs) it's easy to forget sometimes that that's what we're actually rooted in and ending oppression for everyone Mm. yeah and I think it's so so important to remember as well that you can be empathetic and compassionate about more than one thing and sometimes veganism is a sort of gateway that opens up that empathy for people to actually start caring about things start questioning things I know for me when I went vegan I began to question so much more Mm -hmm. in so many more areas of my life and I think having that view and also not kind of the idea that there's only one right way to be vegan and if you're not doing that then you're not quote-unquote vegan enough and Mm, because the elitism Mm -hmm. yeah yeah when did you go vegan uh I think it was about two years ago now so not an incredibly long time but it's amazing that you're having conversations with people about it and branching into other areas beyond it I think that's awesome thank you I think it was just as soon as I started learning things I just started questioning everything and just wanted to learn more and know how I could unlearn so many things Mm. and because I think sometimes you have good intentions but you might not always have the best influence or action with those intentions if you haven't done the unlearning behind it so I'm just trying to get the balance between reflecting and learning and also trying to share that yeah and it is a tricky balance (laughs) it takes a lot to find your middle balance point I think in all of that and make sure you're not enabling anything at the same time yeah definitely something else I'd love to touch upon as well is the spiritual aspect because I know you talk a lot about your spiritual journey and I've been really interested in that as well and yeah I, I would love to hear more about whether there was the relationship between veganism and your spirituality whether one sort of influenced the other one contributed to the other just the balance between those would be awesome to hear about yeah of course I love talking about this this is another thing I haven't spoken about for a long time so I always relish the opportunity and I think I don't know if you feel like this as well but the word spirituality is so weird at the moment it feels like it's another thing that's been co-opted by white supremacy but in the essence, spiritually, is spirituality for me is just the unseen, the magic and the power that the universe holds to support us on our path. 
um, even though there is still a lot that I'm having to, as you say, unlearn around things I've learned. But my paths didn't really affect each other when it comes to veganism and spirituality because my mum is, well, she, I don't know if she's necessarily Buddhist now, but she brought me up Buddhist and she has this thing and she's uh, Japanese. She brought me up with this thing called a gohonzon, which is this wooden box and it has a crane in there. And she's part of uh, Nichiren Shoshu Buddhism. And what you do is you chant Nam Myoho Renge Kyo. And this is the Lotus Sutra that gets you in the rhythm of the universe. This was before I knew anything about anything, basically. I mean, the one thing that's maybe relevant is I grew up near a crystal shop. And so I had a fascination with crystals from a very young age. And um, she would tell me to go and chant at this Gohonzon, Nam Myoho Renge Kyo, Nam Myoho Renge Kyo, Nam Myoho Renge Kyo. You go on and on and on. And you start with what you're grateful for. It's kind of like the law of attraction principles, if you're familiar with that. And then you start to think about what you're grateful for and that you'd like to happen for other people. So all of it is kind of offering and giving. At the very end, you can ask for things for yourself. And I had these really random things that I wanted. Like (laughs) This was before Ed Sheeran was really famous. And my friend introduced me to his music. And this is before I even worked in music as well. I was like, I'd really like to meet Ed Sheeran, but not as a fan. And um then all these weird things aligned and happened. And I ended up doing some filming on an Ed Sheeran tour. The same, at the same time that Rupert Grint from Harry Potter was also filming with him, Lego House. And I was like, did, did this happen because I forced it to happen? Because all these weird things just aligned without my control, really. And I thought, is this because I made that wish at the Gohonzon? <laughs> and loads of little random things like that happened. And that ended up being quite a pivotal moment in my music career, early music career, because it gave me a lot of leverage with other people I worked for to know that I kind of just made that happen. So that's when I first started to realize you could bring things into being. Again, not by forcing and having a strategy, but just by letting go, because I thought that would never happen. And another thing I did was um, I made like a bucket list and it was to be on TV. This is silly ego things from when I was younger, because I'm not interested in that now. Be on TV, dance on stage, on on TV and meet Pharrell Williams. And again, all these weird things happened. And I was, I ended up, I think it was only a week later. I'd never danced on stage before. I wasn't a dancer. I just did dance classes sometimes. It wasn't even advertised, it was Pharrell Williams. But it was at Channel, it was Princess Studios. I was like a, not a backing dancer, but like a stage dancer. They have people with a bit of dance experience. With Pharrell Williams performing, he hadn't performed in, years and so in my head I just let it go I was like I'll probably have to go to New York to see him perform live and again I thought there's something to this what is this but at the same time I was also very depressed and had a lot of social anxiety and had quite a lot of suicidal tendencies as well back then it was quite a tough time with um my dad bit being not the best person in the world which had quite a heavy impact on me and even though I was practicing gratitude at the Gohonzon I didn't really feel grateful And there was one time where I just kind of let go of the oars and I was like, I've had enough of life now. I can't do this anymore. Also had bulimia at the time. I cheated on my longtime boyfriend who was a saint and I just went off the rails. And then at the moment where I was like, I think I just need to end my life now because what's the point? My friend had put on this film, The Secret on my laptop and I just suddenly remembered about it. And I watched it and it was all about how your thoughts create things. And people do have a lot of problematic thoughts around the secret now because it's pretty whitewashed and it's all about what you can get from the universe. But something in it made me suddenly have this zest for life and it made me really excited about being alive. 
and I was like, oh my gosh, I feel completely different. This just feels like I can actually influence my life rather than just be pushed down by all these waves again and again and again. And from that, it just completely changed my life. And a lot of people have had this with that book, this life-changing effect. So then it led me to these paths, knowing I had control of my life, that I could influence outcomes and kind of do what I wanted and make the most of this lifetime, which led me into crystals. I ended up working in the same crystal shop I grew up near in Cornwall. So I started to connect to that path and past lives, numerology as well. And then I went vegan. And even though I thought I had expanded my mind and had come to this pace of peace within myself, what you said earlier about aligning your actions with your beliefs, that opened up this whole new world to me. I was like, whoa, I've been on this path for so long. I didn't know that that existed. And then it came into the environmental and then recently the social justice as well. So I think a lot of people also have that. They've already been a spiritual person, but they're still eating animals. They make the change and then they're like, well, I feel like I'm sparkling. It's like a really interesting feeling. Did you feel like that? Because it seems like you're very spiritually aware. And For me, I feel like I never sort of articulated the spirituality that I sensed in myself, if that makes sense. Oh, like yeah, I, yeah. I don't feel like I thought about it in a kind of intellectual way at all or... And that's something that I'm trying to spend more time on now. Yeah. I felt like there was something more than just your body and your mind. And, but it's yeah. almost the unseen worlds again. Like something yeah. beyond our physicality of what we are familiar with. It's, yeah. it's fascinating. Even though there's still so much to unpick because so many spiritual leaders and teachers are white. So they've kind of, <laughs> they've, I'm, not, you know, I'm not trying to rain on anyone's parade or the work they've done because everybody's life experience is valid, obviously. But for us all to be learning from white teachers when a lot of it originated from indigenous teachers, it's not okay, really. It's a kind of a colonial mindset around a lot of it. And recently, I've made a commitment to only now read books on a spiritual, energetic level from indigenous cultures, because I think they're the ones that have it right, connecting to nature, connecting to yourself, the Toltec wisdom, um, four agreements, anything on that level just feels like truth. And I think when you know it feels like truth and not a hype or a gimmick of being like, ooh, high vibration, that's been overused a bit now. Just good vibes only, that shouldn't be a thing. We need to accept all vibrations and not you know, shame people. It doesn't work like that. Yeah, yeah you, lots of learning. Do you have any books that you would recommend by anyone that you've been reading at the moment? Um, I do think the four agreements is a really good one. I don't, I don't know if it's necessarily spiritual reading. I guess in a way it is by Don Miguel Ruiz. And I have a book called the, oh, it's down there somewhere on my book. I might have to tell you that later and then you put it in the show notes or something. I think it's the, oh, I can't remember, but <laughs> I've got it down there and that's my next book that I'll start reading. Um, yeah, I've got something there. No, thank you so much. Because I, I think, yeah, what you're saying is so important is like, if we want to learn properly about these things, why not learn it from the people who have been practicing it for far longer, mm. rather than this kind of new conception of what spirituality is within the Western world? It's yeah. yeah. A lot of it comes from the East or from, not from the West anyway. Well, a lot of the things I'm interested in. So I'm sure it'll be the same for a lot of people. Definitely. Oh, thank you so much for sharing that. And yeah, I think it really does come back to that thing of the spirituality that you experience. It connects you to your values. But when there's so many things within society that are telling you 
otherwise it becomes these contradictions that you don't even recognize like with mm. eating meat for example because you're educated that for kind of your whole life that that's yeah. normal and the questioning that comes into that you know you can have those values of compassion but until you unpick those contradictions that we've been fed for so long it's it's yeah hard to see it I think it is really hard I think people should give themselves a lot of patience as well and not feel like they have to you know you're undoing a lot of conditioning with all of the things that we're talking about (laughs) this is not what the world wants us to be like so they're doing their level best to put us into the box that they want us to be in so all courageous for even breaking out of that yeah and I I think that's it's so important to remember and embrace that we are all going to make mistakes in this space and Mm -hmm. that we need to find an acceptance in that otherwise change can't happen you know whenever you try and make changes you're going to make mistakes and you're not going to grow until you do so it's I'm getting comfortable with that I don't think people have made so many mistakes publicly as they have recently and to be okay with going oh that was cultural appropriation what I just said oh that was ableist what I just said I'm really sorry obviously I'm going to make a, a change now and it's really uncomfortable making mistakes and being held account for them isn't it and I think we're just going to have to get used to that more and more I've done it so many times over the past year people calling me out and going that's not okay I was like oh my gosh like there's no point in even saying that wasn't my intention that's obvious but to just apologize this course I did last year on being an anti-racist ally that it was run by Nova Reed, amazing educator. And she said the power in a good apology is healing. But the way that a, a non-apology or like a narcissistic, I'm sorry you felt like that, apology, it can further trauma in people. But And I think it's, it's hard when you have a sense of pride to be able to fully, humbly apologize. And I had a few instances last year when, you know, the fox eye trend, Asian thing, people pulling their eyes. It's like a slur that's racist towards Asian, uh, East Asians anyway, East and Southeast Asians. And I had a few people comment on a post about it, kind of trying to gaslight me or tell me it wasn't racist. And these were white people. It's like, what would you know about that? You've never faced this racism before. And um, instead of just apologizing when they realized they caused harm, they just dig, dug a deeper hole, which I could feel was deepening the kind of trauma I was feeling, even though that's my responsibility to, to deal with it. But it really made me realize if I make a mistake that offends someone else, I'm not going to bother saying that wasn't what I meant to do. It's just a sincere, I'm so sorry. I recognize what I've done here and I'm going to do something about it. I'm just gravely sorry. Because then they can go, oh, that's a weight off their chest to know that there's no excuse being made. So yeah, the power of an apology. We just don't know how to do it. Yeah, I think it's it's that really strong thing of wanting to be defensive or wanting to justify why you made that mistake rather than just being like, okay, yeah, I apologize and I'm learning from that and I won't be doing that again because yeah. I'm now learning to do better. And I think it's also not falling into the sort of overwhelmingly emphasizing the feelings of guilt as well because I think sometimes as an empathetic person if I do something I'm I'm wanting to like keep being apologetic and almost that can be more traumatic because rather than just backing like taking the sort of calmness of just being like okay that's for me to deal with not for me Mm. to put it on someone else those additional emotions I just need to take that in and learn from it and that is that is the extent of what that needs to be in that apology I think Oh, totally agree with what you're saying. One thing I did mean to say when you asked me like who 
I am basically, I was going to state my pronouns as she, her. And one of these things that has come up for me a lot, and because I think we just need to normalize that for everybody to just say what their pronouns are. But sometimes when I get them wrong, even though I know that that person's pronouns are they, my brain will still come out with he or she because it's not used to saying they. And then I start to grovel. I'm like, I'm so sorry. I really didn't mean. And I'm like, no, back off and just say, I'm really sorry. I know that that's your pronouns, but let's move on. Next time I will not make that mistake again. But it's really hard not to just get on your hands and knees and go, plead for forgiveness. I got your pronouns wrong. It's not helpful for them (laughs) at all. It's just always indulging ourselves. Yeah. Yeah. So, so true. Yeah. No, thank you. Thank you so much for sharing those perspectives as well. It's, it's such important things to talk about and get used to being uncomfortable and learning from the feelings of mistakes. And yeah, Mm -hmm. yeah, definitely. Totally. Well, I would love to talk a bit now about the work that you do. You've done so many awesome things. <laughs> I first discovered you and your work through your Glow Vegan Facebook group. Did that you? you set up. Yeah. Oh my gosh, I didn't know that that was so cool. Oh, that makes me really happy. <laughs> but yeah, so I'd love to hear more about your intentions behind setting that up and how that came into being. Yeah. Oh my gosh, I've been so quiet on there lately though, that's the thing. But people just seem to be ticking on there, which I love that it's just become its own little bubble. So this was at the start of my vegan journey when I was in all these different vegan groups. I was thinking, what am I going to eat? I need some support. I need to just get some ideas. I already was in a lot of Facebook groups. I really like being in them. And everyone was at each other's throats. All the vegans were like, you're not vegan enough. I'm chucking you out the group because you did this. Somebody saying, oh, I slipped up today. I had cheese. Everyone's like, throw them out of the group. Like, what way is this to treat each other? Or just constant battles, constant confrontation. And I'm just not like that. I don't like that kind of space. And I don't think many people really do. These people could, because veganism is a microcosm of the world. We're going to have every type of person within the vegan movement, of course. Um, I thought, well, okay, let me just set up my own group because I know about three other people who want to go vegan. Let's start with them. So I just invited my vegan friends. And I was like, hey, everybody, I've started this group. Let's just post recipes. Here are the ground rules. We're not allowed to attack each other. We treat each other with kindness. We don't put triggering content in, blah, 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 blah. The kind of place that I wanted to be, basically, as I had accountability and support on my own journey. And um, I'm not afraid to enforce these rules at all. If someone breaks them, if someone antagonizes somebody else, I'll just remove the post and block them a lot of the time. I'm like, this is not a space for you. There are many spaces for you like this in the vegan movement, if you want one. Basically, every other single group, um, vegan group, you can go and join, be my guest. But you can't do that here. And I think a lot of people who are, have been maybe more empathetic or more sensitive, um, just in their own way of being in life, appreciate that because it's, I just think it doesn't make sense to assume that people aren't going to make mistakes or slip up because it's a new way of living your life of course there's going to be stages so everyone's welcome even if they're not vegan even if they just are a little bit curious and they want to have a good example of what veganism and vegan people can be like and i am going to get more active in there it's just because i've been so busy with work i've just like had to deal with work and surviving a pandemic rather than being in there but i'm really glad that you um you you've been in there and hopefully you found it to be those things I just mentioned, because that is the reason it exists. Yeah, 100%. That's what has been so incredible about that space is that there are so many spaces that are incredibly judgmental. Mm. So much kind of infighting of, oh, you're not vegan enough. You're not doing this enough. And 
it's not productive it's not supportive and I'm very sensitive and you need a space where you feel like everyone is supporting each other and wanting to be kind and not yeah not just criticizing and creating arguments because what what's the point in that when someone's trying to do better so yeah mm. I definitely found that with the space so thank you oh, I'm really glad I think one of the main things if anybody's curious about going vegan community is one of the top things that you need because you're facing adversity when you go vegan we don't live in a vegan world as we know so having people who understand you is absolutely paramount completely the key definitely yeah it's such a nice space if anyone is curious about joining definitely join glow vegan it's fun. yes please come in I'll, I'll make some recipes and start posting them in there which i've been saying i'll do for about four years but i will actually do it <laughs> awesome so also you are a co-host on the chick peaks podcast yes so i yeah there's been like three series yeah, we're on the third series now right yeah i'd say around halfway th- well maybe a little bit over halfway through season three nice. big old jenny mm-hmm. yeah and about that i'd love to hear whether the experience of having those three seasons has changed things for you on how you see the vegan movement or even how you act in your own life how has that kind of affected your way of seeing veganism it's i feel like it's made me more confident in certain ways at the start when my, the host of the podcast, Ivana Lynch, she was looking for co-hosts and one of my friends said, oh, you should go for this. I was like, no, no way would she ever choose me. What's the point in that? And then it just so happened that her, I knew her cousin um, through spiritual kind of work. And she said, why don't you speak to this girl? And then we spoke and then hit it off. And then we, I joined the team. And um, I feel like the lack of confidence I had before was pretty debilitating. Um, and to then be on it, I've noticed how much my confidence as a vegan activist has grown. Even if I don't have it at the forefront of everything I do, it's very much within my work rather than me always talking about veganism. So I feel like if I'm working with people who have greater influence, why would I not channel that through that energy? Um, and in my own personal relationships rather than always being a mouthpiece and just the hope for the future, uh, the, the passion that some of these guests that we have, and I can't even name any that I can, off the top of my head because we've had so many amazing people, activists, doctors, people in the food industry, beauty, fashion. We have covered as many bases as we can. Season one was all about the basics. Like if you want to go vegan, here's some stuff to think about. The second one, we were working in more like about dating and other things. Sometimes we have episodes about Harry Potter, Wizarding World, because two of them were in Harry Potter films and the other one has a Harry Potter charity animal charity so yeah I mean sometimes it because <laughs> I have a lot of self-doubt and I tend to go into my own little shell when I see loads of people being very confident in their life and very outspoken I just go well I'm just gonna hide here while you're also great and I'm so rubbish it's just something I've always done that I have to constantly battle so in some ways I'm like I'll just leave it to them and I'll stay over here but then I forget that all of us have a valid well I feel like even the word valid is overused at the moment the way I keep saying it but all of us have a different life experience and people who will relate to us, maybe not to that really outspoken, really extra confident person. They might relate more to an introvert like me because <laughs> I relate way more to introverts. And I think, oh, I've gained some strength because you're doing that stuff and you're an introvert and you're not there like being a YouTuber with the hands everywhere. So yeah, the, the hope for the future is 
one of the biggest parts. And just whenever I'm having a bad vegan day or I suddenly remember everything that happens in the world, I remember that I am, this is my activism. It's a big part of it is the podcast and the amount of people we reach on the podcast and the people who have gone vegan because of it. It just helps me to know that I'm doing something to create change and <laughs> being part of it. So there's many different prongs and yeah, I, re I really enjoy it. I'm sure we'll keep doing it for a few more seasons. Um, at least I hope so all going well. We have a lovely Patreon community as well, who are just the kindest, most inclusive, glow vegan-y kind of people that you could imagine. So just meeting these people and knowing they exist, when we see so much stuff on the news about people that we'd rather not come into contact with, it's all very life-affirming, which is what we need, I think. Yeah, definitely. And it yeah, it really relates to me what you say about the doubting and being more introvert and feeling like, mm sometimes you almost feel like you should need to change in order to be in that space when actually you need a balance of personality types and like you were saying although overused everyone's is valid yeah. um and yeah and i think it's it's so great to see that and see spaces with people who have different personality types and there's a way to be an activist and and to speak about the things you're passionate about even if you're not an extrovert YouTuber with hands up. Because <laughs> mm, we do need all different types of activists doing all different types of things. Would you say that you're an introvert, extrovert, ambivert? Introvert, or... introvert for sure. Mm. Yeah. I love introverts. I think introverts are the best. If you're an extrovert, you're also great. But just to see another introvert doing stuff. And I, mean, I imagine for you starting your own podcast, there was probably a bit of self-doubt or something that came up that made you not want to do it. Because it's like, I had to put myself out there as an introvert. Are you for real? So I commend you for going, you know what? No, I'm doing this anyway, because I know what it takes to do that. Thank you so much. I mean, I think in my head, I was almost like, oh, no one else is seeing this or hearing this. And I am talking and sharing about what is important and what my values are. And I'm hoping that has a positive impact. But I kind of almost had this disconnect for myself of being like, it's okay. I don't have to speak to people directly who recognize that it's there because I feel like that's where mm. I still even feel a sense now of like ah yeah we just have to act in spite of these things and gain courage from knowing we're actually talking about something that's bigger than ourselves to help something else that's not just us that's what I say to myself anyway yeah. this helps yeah. that's yeah incredibly useful advice so <laughs> yeah <laughs> And then you're also doing a lot of work with Wicked Healthy at the moment. Yeah. yeah. So they've actually, well, we have just globalized this year. Um, globalization plans are now rolling out and it's now called Wicked Foods, but only just as of very recently. And it's founded by, um, it's a company founded by two vegan chefs from America, Derek Sarno and Chad Sarno. And they're just incredible chefs. They're they're making, well, Derek specifically is making mushrooms, the new meat. We have this thing called the Mushroom Manifesto. Shows you all the different ways to create incredible vegan food out of mushrooms. And we're, we're not about the vegan audience. We're very much about creating vegan food for meat eaters. And that's where we need the most change. A lot of people aren't really happy with the way that Wicked are disrupting the meat aisle with vegan food. A lot of vegans are like, no, we don't want to go down the meat aisle, which I completely understand. But when you look at how many omnivores and non-vegans will then see that, they may not have seen that before. They probably won't go wandering into the vegan section. Let's be realistic. They'll go with what they're familiar with. If we can make just one person each visit choose 
wicked meatballs rather than real meatballs, that that's an achievement, I think. Because the vegan people will seek it out. They're already very resourceful, usually vegan people. So they'll find something else or they'll make what they want. But it's really this other market that we are trying to go for. And we've just had all these bakery items come out, like chocolate chip cookies, donuts. It's insane the amount of... Inc- oh, I'm not going to say insane because that's ableist. It's just wild the amount of amazing food that they're creating. And my role essentially with them, I've worked with them, um, I think about two years now. Um, through a connection through the podcast when we interviewed Derek and I do digital freelancing a little bit on social media but mostly recipe writing from watching them make recipes and then writing it up (laughs) and making them into blogs so I get to see and and learn in a through kind of osmosis way of writing their recipes I then kind of know them and then I can kind of make them so it's amazing to see there's so much more coming um, from Wicked as well not only globalizing but some really exciting animal rights related projects coming through, which I cannot wait to announce, but I can't do any of that because I've signed an NDA. <laughs> but yeah, good stuff coming. And we're trying now to, I mean, there's two white men in the vegan scene. As we know, most, well, a huge majority of vegan activists are white men, some of the most popular ones. So we are working out how we can have more representation to uplift chefs from different backgrounds. And this is something I'm taking on quite seriously myself and like how can we make sure we're distributing the power because that's what we need to do to be ethical within the space and to do what's right so that's definitely not something that's been swept under the rug put it that way that's so great to hear because I think quite often especially in like bigger companies and like you were saying they've globalized there is still this very dominant white male narrative so it's so Mm -hmm. great to hear that they're still prioritizing that at the center of what they do is really important has to be done mm-hmm. yeah do what's right yeah and also what you were saying about placing things within the meat aisles i think is such a valuable thing to be doing because we are creatures of habits everyone has mm-hmm. their habits and if you go into a supermarket and you just want to get in and out as quickly as possible especially i know that's what i'm like i don't want to be spending ages of time in a supermarket so if you have someone who is used to just going down the meat aisle yeah. you've put something there that they're not used to seeing and curiosity will strike and not for everyone, but people will try it. And, and that is a win, like you said, for someone to do that and make that swap is so valuable. Definitely. And if you think about the supermarket Tesco that Wicked Foods is in, uh, even just thinking loads of supermarkets now have vegan food and vegan options, but very rarely is there a vegan person behind them. Derek is vegan and he's vegan for the animals. I can't say the same for, te- for M&S, for Sainsbury's. We don't know who those people are. Are they just jumping on because it's trendy? The fact that Derek actually cares about animals and Chad, his brother, has founded a company which is doing amazingly well called Good Catch. It's all plant-based seafood. He is vegan for the animals. But how often do you hear of that as well from these massive corporations? And I feel like there is this shift happening um, in the vegan world where... Well, I know that these two brothers have integrity to their vegan message, not just being about health or the environment, which are important. But I don't know about you, I'm very much, I don't want to see animals being killed for food if it's needless. If it's different, obviously, if it's indigenous communities, and I do feel differently about that. I feel like that's not where our focus should be. It's factory farming. <laughs> that's where we should be focusing as much of our intention as possible. Yeah. Yeah, working with them is important mm. to me. Yeah, amazing. Yeah, no, I completely agree with that because in the society that I'm currently living in, you know, the majority of people living in 
the UK or you don't need to eat meat in that situation if you mm-hmm. have the option available around you like yeah. you don't and I think it's it's that difference between is it necessary for our survival based on how we are living yeah if if animals don't need to be harmed and also the people working in the slaughterhouses if if mm-hmm. it's not necessary within the society that we are living in then we have a responsibility to not contribute to it if we're in a position of privilege where we can do so exactly it does come down to that privilege as well and i also encompass health in this i have a friend with them um, who has lyme disease he can't eat vegetables really he can have a few but most of it has to be meat I'm not saying to him, oh, you are evil. For you. That is just not part of it. So I don't want anyone to get the wrong message or the wrong idea that I'm spying anyone for eating meat if that is their only option or if they don't have the choice or mental health challenges can also make it really difficult for people to change their food. No, completely inclusive and understanding. You know where I'm coming from, I know. <laughs> yeah, yeah, 100%. Especially as well, when I was younger, I suffered from eating disorder. Mm. So then wanting to go vegan, you have the conflict there of wanting to make sure you do it a pace or at a time where it's not going to be triggering and for me personally I found that it really helped heal my relationship with food yeah but for some people it might not be that experience because it can be triggering if you're having to look at ingredients and things like that but I Mm -hmm. think for me personally it, it connected me to something that was so much more important about what was in your food was suffering involved in the production of that food that was the focus of trying to do things that yeah it was bigger than just the yeah I don't know how to explain I know exactly what you're saying and I love that that was the effect that veganism had on your healing Mm. it's one of the beautiful benefits of veganism connection with ourselves yeah 100% and yeah I really wanted to touch on upon as well You, you are such a compassionate empathetic person and I know with that a lot of a lot of feeling can come with that and it can be oh, very yes. overwhelming and mm-hmm. yeah how do you stay hopeful when... oh my gosh yesterday I went so I keep telling these little stories along with things but yesterday this was such a big thing for me I was walking around Cornwall there's nobody really around ended up walking through a dairy farm or a cow farm and there were these little calves in these they were just you know like a barn kind of thing there was nothing going on but I was just looking at them like oh my god you're gonna get killed for food then I looked at the cows in the other barn and they were all silent they were all just kind of just looking out I was like you you innocent pure little beings this world is the fact that we kill these animals is that's hell for me the fact that that's happening and we get so dissociated to so I can't speak today dissociated from it and disconnected from it sometimes I can block it all out I don't know how, because it's not really in my nature to do that, but sometimes it gets too much and I have too much work to do or my own personal issues. I'm like, I cannot think about you right now. I'm, I'm still doing the actions, but to worry and be sad about this, I will put here for a minute. And sometimes it will creep back in. And I'm almost have uh, Tyler on the podcast. He's almost proud of the fact that he, not that he loses sleep, everything's, but that he is so invested that he does get upset rather than not caring. And I do think that's something to, being proud is maybe not how I would feel about it, but to acknowledge that you care so much about other beings to the fact that it sometimes gives you sleepless nights. I don't know, I I mean, a lot of people might not agree with that, but I like the fact that I care enough to be there rather than not care at all. That's the way I have to flip it to work for me, basically. It's not how I'd love it to be. But 
the whole afternoon I was just thinking about their eyes like it's so full of they just want to be loved and when you see animals in sanctuaries that are just running around carefree I was like how do I steal these animals <laughs> I'm like that's a crime but how can I how could I could I buy them what are they going to do with these baby calves I think they're male are they just going to get shot because they're not useful for dairy or are they going to grow uh, just all the thoughts came up but to know I had four hours of chick peeps that evening really helped me and I think that's the thing when I first started to get really upset about what was happening to animals I was like I need to do activism I need to know that I'm doing more than just eating vegan I need to spread the word to then help create more if that's that path for that person so to know I was speaking to our patrons and me recording an episode that was my like salvation of knowing that what would happen to those animals is just despicable and just beyond do you ever sometimes ever stop and think and go what it what is this world where that has become the norm yeah it just and cornwall is very much a farm kind of place whenever i've done vegan outreach there'll be farmers coming up going what are you saying about my cows or something <laughs> i'm like oh my gosh but yeah long and short of it is activism is my savior or some kind of activism working with wicked knowing that's taking the food people won't eat that cow they'll eat that vegan burger instead and I know that also brings in different issues of was that sustainably sourced? Were humans affected? I feel like I think about every base on every level to the point it's exhausting because then I have to give a disclaimer on that as well. But you know what I mean? Yeah. <laughs> I also don't want to say these people deserve to suffer because they might have picked the crops that went into this. We live in an imperfect world. And veganism, I just feel for us that have the privilege to be able to do it, is one step that allows us to have some control over our own life and our own negative impact. So there's nothing we can do right now about fossil fuels or all these huge issues, but we can make a difference to that one life. Yeah. I have a lot to say about this. I didn't even realise. No, but it resonates, it resonates with me so much. And I think there's a quote, I cannot remember who it's by, but it's the whole idea of um, don't let perfect be the enemy of good. Because I find, I find myself the same as you so much being like, oh, but I'm trying to do this thing to do better. But then that brings this aspect into it, which isn't good. And then I'm trying to navigate that. And then yeah. I can't do anything because I can't figure out which one is the least damaging. And it, it yeah. can be so overwhelming. I think we have to just accept right now that most things we do are damaging to someone or to the planet. And that shouldn't be a negative way to live, to think that, but just to inform the way that we do activism is to acknowledge that, to give ourselves a little bit of grace because there's no, we're no use if we're just sitting here doing nothing in a stalemate with ourselves. Yeah. It's almost like transferring that energy of the frustration of the overwhelm into something that you can physically do to try and make things better even if it isn't the perfect ideal you're trying and you just have to keep yeah it's just transferring the energy from the negative overwhelm into making a positive change yes exactly that and just knowing how our effect our actions are having ripple effects even though the analytics analytics around animal slaughter you know not it's not really like a lot a lot less animals is that even good english it's not like less animals are really even being slaughtered in some senses but the vegan options are going up there's more vegans there's more acceptance around veganism so even if our end result isn't happening in the way that we want it to aka less animal slaughter it's almost like we have to go push a boulder up a hill to the point then it can roll down the other side on its own with momentum and i feel like we're still here like we're almost at the top guys come on and then it will free fall, we hope. But I feel like that's what will happen. 
and I don't know if you've noticed around the people around you eating less meat, opting for almond milk or oat milk or something, hopefully oats is more sustainable and yeah, choosing better options in a way they were never doing it before. Yeah, I mean, my parents and my sister are now vegan, which is something I never thought would have happened. And yeah, my parents tried Veganuary last year. And then after the month, they just kept doing it. And yeah, I love it. Are you do you all celebrate Christmas? We do. Yeah. Did you have a nice big vegan family Christmas? I didn't spend it with my family this year. How did you feel about that? Um, it was strange. I mean, it was nice to experience Christmas in a different country and see how it's done in Sweden because they celebrate Christmas Eve a lot more and have some traditions around like watching Donald Duck and stuff like that. Oh, really? How funny. That's so sweet. Yeah. Um, yeah. It's nice though that to know that they were there eating vegan and next time you get to be reunited, there won't be those awkward conversations of you know, smelling turkey in the room, mm-hmm. things like that. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Um, what was your what was your vegan Christmas dinner this year? Did you celebrate Christmas with your family? Well, my family live just over there. So I, when I moved back to Cornwall, I live really close to them now. My brother is a chef, or was a chef. But every Christmas, he just orders everything from M&S to put in the oven. And I'm like, I, I, I'm, I always say, I'm going to make a really locally um, sourced dinner. It's going to be all, you know, everything from the farms around Truro. Um, make it all from scratch and then he goes and orders it without me having a chance to make my own thing so we had just a normal christmas dinner and some like m&s wreath <laughs> but, but i think he sees it as an act of love you know how everybody has their own love language and ways of expressing it i think him doing that he feels m&s is a superior quality kind of food you know the m&s marketing basically a sucker for that and then him paying for it he's like this is my offering of love because he might not necessarily be expressing love in the same way as other people do with just words. So I just go, okay, cool. I'll cook like New Year's Eve dinner or something. All locally sourced and vegan. Yeah, amazing. Yeah, there's always those sort of navigations of family relationships, friend relationships or things like that, because mm. there is that feeling of care around food and actions and sometimes like the intention there is so good and but it might not always be what what aligns directly with your values and finding that balance between and negotiating and coming to a comfortable agreement that doesn't cause conflicts within family it can be really challenging yeah I think a lot of vegan and especially new vegans do challenge do have that challenge when it comes to Christmas and Thanksgiving if they celebrate that in America as well or in Canada but yeah, we, we do our best, don't we, yeah. with these situations. I really wanted to ask quickly about how you found your way of vegan activism, because I think it can be really tricky because like we were talking about before with different personality types and yeah, finding a way that aligns with your values. Um, I'd love to hear how you came to that and what advice you'd give to other people finding that too. I don't know about other people, but I I know for myself, I thought what would work for me, what would work on me. And whenever I saw friends being vegan and never pushing it on me or even really talking to me about it, whatever I saw, I was obviously in some way impacted by that. Even though my vegan realization moment was on a plane and quite a random situation, I had seen friends going vegan and their posts were always kind, always informative, never judgy. And I noticed whenever I... I, mean, I feel like I've got two sides in a way that like this really caring passion side, then this like fire side where I'm just 
I'll get so cross about something. Mainly animals. It's not really in my personal life. It's just with that. I would go on Facebook and be like, I can't believe you guys are all contributing to this animal suffering. How could you do that? You know, when you're the first throw of veganism, you can't hold it in. It's really hard to hold it in. And I had, didn't really have a vegan community to speak to and vent to. And people just did not respond to that at all. They were like, why are you lecturing us like this? You've only just gone vegan. It didn't align with them. But as soon as I started to put loads of pictures of nice vegan food up, people would be like, oh, what's that? Oh, I've never tried that. Where can I buy that from? I thought this is much more effective. It's working way better. So why would I not go along that route? But I would never feel like I had to say to someone or tone police them in their way of doing activism because my friend was vegan because she was shamed into it. And another vegan, she actually asked me to shame her. She was like, tell me all the awful things you think about me. So I actually take action on veganism this time. She tried before and I was like, you are a despicable human being for contributing. (laughs) It was so relieving. She was like, thank you. Okay, I'm going to go vegan now. So that was quite fun for me, just to vent it all out, completely unfiltered. And people like people who are really vocal in their veganism, and I, I think I think that is great. I, I know some people find used to find his approach too confrontational. That works on some people. We have to remember there's a whole spectrum of people in this world with different ways of resonating to things and causes. So we do need everyone to just do what would kind of work on them, or whatever they feel gets the best response, or whatever they feel is the most aligned to them. I would usually start with food because I feel like loads of people love the look of vegan food, even if they're like, oh, that's vegan, I wouldn't eat it. They can't deny that it doesn't look good. And that might just change their perception. Still, somehow, people think that vegan food is carrots. I'm like, have you seen who I work for? The food is honestly just unbelievable. I don't know how that misconception's still a thing. I know. Oh, yeah, grass. Excuse me, Piers Morgan on TV, I think it's this morning. He was saying, oh, this veganuary thing. Oh, imagine being vegan and have it, and being a teetotal in a pandemic. I'm like, yeah, firstly, it's probably a lot healthier that we're not drinking our way through a pandemic. Obviously, no shame on that. But to, to try and suggest that we're boring because we don't eat animals or animal products and we don't want to drink alcohol to get us through a pandemic. Like, what kind of backwards, especially as mainstream TV, such a backwards way of judging people. <laughs> And I love that at Earthing Ed's um, restaurant, Unity, there's a cocktail called Piers Morgan's Tears, which is delicious. So good. Oh, that's <laughs> so funny. Amazing. So good. I wow. love that that's on there. It always gives me a good laugh. But yeah, I think finding... What, what did you think for you? How did you... Did you want to do what worked best for you? I think I had a very similar thing to what you said is at the beginning, I just had so much like anger and frustration of being kind of had my eyes opened to what is happening. And I just wanted to like tell everyone that isn't necessarily for some people, it's super effective, but generally also everyone comes to things in their own time and you can't control when that will be, you can't control how it will be best effective for them all you can try and do is do what you feel resonates with you and I think in general being more kind and compassionate it opens someone else up to think about those things I think Mm. but then also there will be some people who maybe like your friend who just needed something that was very like hard hitting so you can never know and I guess you have to recognize that like there are so many different personality types, so many different people living in different situations and what resonates with them is going to be different. And so there's space for everyone to do activism in their way. 
Mm, yeah, there's space for, even if it's just not even just leafleting, like leafleting, it doesn't take you having to go too much out of your comfort zone and being able to still be present and showing up something that seems a small act, things like that. Or even just posting online, that is still activism. It's just the kind of way that you go about it, I guess. But yeah, basically, as we just said, everyone's personalities are so different. Do what feels good for your own unique expression of life and that will be the right thing. Amazing. Yeah, that's super great advice. So for people who maybe want to try some vegan foods and want to oh, yeah. find some amazing ones or people who have recently gone vegan or doing veganuary or anything, what are some of your favorite vegan foods? One of them is something I just made, which I've never had before. So I make rice macaroni. It's so nice. It's really light on your digestion. Then I fried up some onions, garlic, cherry tomatoes, mushrooms, and spinach, just all in a pan. And then I made a cheese sauce, which was oat milk, two different types of vegan cheese I just had in the fridge and um, a little bit of turmeric and a little bit of um, salt and pepper. And then I mixed it all together. So it's basically mac and cheese with vegetables in and then put kimchi on top of it. And it's unbelievable. I was like, I'm just going to try this because kimchi fries are really good. Um, but mac and cheese with kimchi next level, if you like spice and I love East Asian food, like Korean food is one of my favorites, but it's not always that not, not everyone loves spicy food or like Japanese vegan food again is, as well is just unbelievable right let me hone back in on your question said <laughs> I get really carried away when it comes to food I think of people like mushrooms checking out wicked is a really good place to start because we have this pan pressing mushroom technique which turns a cluster brown mushroom into a steak like even the marbled effect the crispiness barbecue steak it's like I've never had a real steak so I don't know but it looks like meat but i've tried the mushroom steak it doesn't taste like i'd imagine meat to taste but people do say it does i haven't got a frame of reference but it's it's really popular and i think it's really fun to try these things with mushrooms just see the different techniques that you can use and other favorite vegan foods oh, i just really love food i love i love all food i love cooking Same. what's been something that's what's your favorite go-to vegan meal if you could only have that if you had to have it every single day and nothing else, what would it be? Oh my gosh, that's such a hard question. Mm, wow. It's a hard one, isn't it? Mm. I always think of this, like risotto, butternut squash risotto is also amazing. And you can cook the whole risotto, uh, the whole butternut, sorry, the seeds, you can bake them with spices and oil, and then you can fry the skins if you cut them into strips. The zero waste, use tahini in the sauce. That's another go-to. Sorry, please tell me yours. I'm so excited about That sounds squash. incredible. That sounds incredible. No, it's so difficult to choose just one. <laughs> I mean, this might sound super, super basic because it's a bre breakfast food that I feel like so many people have, but there's so much you can do with oats just in yes. changing the fruit you put in it. Always some form of nut butter I'm obsessed with. Mm. I go through so much like peanut butter. And, um, but yeah, I'm, I'm a big breakfast ot with all of the amazing toppings and fillings type person it's a go-to mm -hmm. breakfast i don't have to think too much about it first thing in the morning i just know it's going to taste good and yeah and oats are cheap and also nice and warm on cold winter days like today, have you ever tried making oatmeal in a skillet like a cast iron pan no i haven't uh, i'm gonna send you this recipe it's a wicked one and it is such a different way of eating porridge and oatmeal it's just i don't know it's like apple pie 
Amazing. Love it. And you can bake oats. Oh, yeah, oats is a great vegan staple. Definitely. Good, good yeah. options there. Oh, amazing. Well, I just have one final question for you, if that's okay, which I always ask at the end of the podcast interviews, um, which is just how you find your little bit of lagen. And lagen is a Swedish concept that's kind of translates roughly to a little bit and not too much. So it's like how you find your balance in your life, in your day, just what it means for you. I love that word. I love these languages that have words we just don't have in English. There's always such thoughtful words, aren't they, that hold this really amazing energy. Um, Very basic, but I would say breath is something for me, like breathing properly, doing breath work, because breathing is free. And a lot of us don't breathe properly, but it's our life force. So it's how we stay alive, bringing oxygen into our bodies. And by doing breath work in second lockdown, um, and learning how to use the capacity of my lungs, it somehow would give me a reset at any point in the day, made me feel awake, and it brought me into a place of moderation. I have a very excessive personality. I get quite obsessed with things quite easily on either end, but sometimes it, it, somehow it brings me into this state of equilibrium and peace. And I think that's what that word means really, isn't it? It's like that middle ground. So I would say just something so simple as breathing. And don't you find sometimes if you take a deep breath, even if it's just 10 seconds in and out, you're like, oh, wow, that was a lot. And like, why are we not using our lungs? Especially now. doesn't make sense, but breath is magic. Yeah. Oh, that's a beautiful one. I love that. I think it's so important. Like you're saying, we we need to breathe to live. It's our life force. And Mm. yet we don't do it very effectively generally. (laughs) And also another thing, because I love the ocean, it connects us to the ocean way that so much of our oxygen is created there as well so no matter where we are we'll always be connected to it which i love what's yours can i ask yours mine see yeah i've been asked this once before and yeah for me i feel like it changes daily Mm. and depending on my situation and so for me it's constantly trying to find what it is that i need to find that balance in that moment and right so it's very much checking in with myself and having that moment to really think about what is it that I need to feel more grounded in that moment. And um, so, yeah, a bit of a vague one, but I feel like it's something I'm constantly questioning. Um, yeah. Have you, have you considered it today? What your lagom is today? I think today it's, I think finding, and this might sound really weird, but like, the temperature that feels good I feel like a lot of today I've either been way too cold or way too hot or just something not feeling quite right like my hands are really cold or my feet you know and Mm -hmm. so for me today actually just finding a comfortable temperature actually feels like it would be my little bit I really love that I really love that it's so simple but it's important that you feel comfortable thank you for telling me so I can't resist asking questions as well I'm just so used to it <laughs> but I wanted to find out about you too so. oh amazing but it's been so so wonderful having you on the podcast and oh, thank you so much for having me I just felt like I've known you for ages and we're just having a chat <laughs> yeah no it's so so lovely like at one point I was like oh wait I'm actually recording for a podcast right now <laughs> yeah I completely yeah. forgot a few moments so that's always the sign of a great podcaster I think so well, I mean it might be you bringing that into the into the room you take the credit don't you give me any credit it's all yours 
Cool. But yeah, but if people want to find out more about the work that you're doing, where can they find you? So I'm mainly on Instagram, but I try to have as many Instagram breaks as possible because I just get too overwhelmed there. And that's O underscore OH underscore M O M O K O. So O underscore Momoko. And then the chick peeps is www.thechickpeeps.com. <laughs> and then eatwickedfoods.com will take you to all our new wicked things. Amazing. Awesome. Well, I will stop the recording. Thank you so much again to Momoko. I'm so grateful for this conversation. It was honestly wonderful talking with you and I'm so inspired by all the work that you're doing. I'm wishing you all the best for the future. So just before I bring this episode to a close, I want to bring up the issue of white veganism and the importance of dismantling this form of veganism because it's such a damaging form that is sadly so prominent within the vegan movement. This form of veganism exposes a horrific lack of compassion by upholding systems of oppression through white supremacist ideologies, whilst veganism should be rooted in compassion and ending oppression for all humans and non-human animals. I would really recommend learning more about this and advocating to dismantle white veganism, and I've included a list of incredible people to learn from in the notes for this episode. It's so important that we keep learning about the ways white supremacy is insidiously rooted in all aspects of society, and it's something we can't shy away from. I really recommend checking out those accounts because you really will learn a lot and learn how you can help dismantle this incredibly damaging and unjust system. We need to keep doing the work, and that is a responsibility on all of us, especially us white people. If you have any thoughts, any questions, challenges, or anything at all, you can always drop me a message on Instagram at a little bit of Largum or email me on a little bit of Largum at gmail.com. I really do love hearing from you. Thank you so much for listening, and I'll speak to you again soon. Bye.